So we are well into now our study of the Ten Commandments, and we're not looking at these as if they are some kind of an ancient document that might give us insight into how people in the past lived. We're looking at these as if they are wisdom from God to everyone, everywhere, at any time, and in any place, so that we can live a life, number one, that pleases Him, and number two, that blesses us. And you need professional help to not want that. That's just coming from the preacher this morning. So God, uh, when he writes these things down, he says in the beginning, the first commandment was, number one, uh, you guys, Shan's paraphrase version, you guys are to have no other gods before you. Nobody else is in front of me. This is God speaking. No one else is in front of me. No one takes my place. It's me and me alone. So the practical application for you and me is that God takes first place. All right? Now the second one is kind of a a, a demonstrative way of starting off the fact that, okay, if you say that God's number one, then let's not worship anything else and typify that by carving something out of wood, making something out of stone, uh, uh, fabricating something out of metal or any other substance and just kind of praising it, all right? And, and it's the beginning. It says, number one, put God first. Number two, live a life that demonstrates that. It's really just that simple. Now, God did this in the beginning uh, by reminding the people, uh, God's ancient people, the Hebrews, who were slaves for nearly 400 years in ancient Egypt. He brought them out of slavery. It was only something that he could do And he did it before them. They didn't necessarily ask for it. They'd been pleading and hoping for generations. But God, because he loved them, sought them out and rescued them. And he says, I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. And so I'm God. And all the other things and all the other uh, uh, perspectives and attitudes and, and, and natural things that uh, you were worshiping or the people that you were serving were worshiping, I demonstrated that not only was I stronger than them, but they didn't have any power to begin with. All right, I want you to keep that in mind as we move forward uh, with this today. Okay? So last week, we talked, um, we talked about commandment number three. <clears throat> uh, uh, and then today's number four. We talked about the commandment report the significance of words. Uh, don't take the name of the Lord's uh, the name of the Lord in vain. In other words, it was if we're going to focus on that, then let's focus on every word because words have power, they have meaning, they have significance. And so today we're talking about uh, commandment number four: the significance of rest. Let me read it to you. Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. So, what's this all about? Is this uh, just a really simple rule that is, hey, 
Guys, it's, uh, it's Sunday, and everybody knows because God said you're supposed to be in church on Sunday because that's the fourth commandment, really, right? That's exactly what it says. No, it doesn't even come anything close to that, okay? I, was, I had to laugh. Tim, I got to share what you said. Uh, t- uh, Tim Muldoon walked in this morning. He said, man, uh, everybody's gone. They're, they're all taking a vacation. The house is empty. I thought, man, I'm just going to sleep in today. But then I remembered we're talking about the fourth commandment, and you're supposed to be in church on the fourth commandment kind of a thing. So I could not do that. I was just laughing. Because that's, a, and really, listen, that, that is what a lot of people read when they read that. And, and the, the challenge is, that's not what God said. In history, it really wasn't until uh, the Jewish people began to develop and build synagogues that they kind of shifted the perspective and, may, and turned that fourth commandment into something. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking volumes of history in just a couple of minutes, but that's not what God said. So if that's not what it said, Shan, then what are we talking about? We're talking about the significance of rest. We're talking about a blessing that God gave to you and me, reminding us that it's not all about us. It's not all up to us. Did you hear what Alex said just a minute ago? I mean, good grief, we could have prayed and gone home. Really? Because that, in its essence, is exactly what I want to talk about today. Why do we need to talk about rest? Why is the significance of rest so important that God mentions it over and over again? About you and I relieving our burdens, about you and I trusting in Him, about you and I laying our burdens at His feet, and yet we struggle so much. We live in a contemporary culture that is overwhelmed stressed out and exhausted. And we all know that we are, and yet we pack, we pack 30 hours of activity into a 24-hour day. Nine days of activity in a seven-day week. 15 months of energy into 12 months of a year. And we wonder why we're stressed out. We buy more stuff than we have money to spend on. We pour uh, sometimes more into bad relationships than we'll ever get in return. And we feel guilty about uh, actually dealing with the stuff like that. Do I need to go on? Okay, I will. I was reading uh, to to prepare. I I was fascinated by some of the stuff that I found uh, this past week. Do you know that the number Apple named its number one app of last year, the number one app of 2017 was an app called Calm. Calm. I, I'm going to read you. I, 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 uh, make sure I get so I can read it calmly. Uh, let, me sh- uh, let me get to this. I, I thought I had it right up there. Yeah, listen. Um, Calm has guided meditation sessions. Available in lengths of 3, 5, 10, 15, 20, and 25 minutes. Listen to me. So you can choose the perfect length to fit your schedule. I'm just fascinated. Now, now don't get me wrong. Listen to what the, the calming anxiety. Um, 
calming anxiety, managing stress, deep sleep, focus and concentrations, relationships, breaking habits, happiness, gratitude, self-esteem, loving kindness, forgiveness, non-judgment, commuting to work at school, mindful at college, mindful at work, uh, walking meditation, calm kids. Calm kids? (laughs) There's an app for that? (laughs) Where was that 20 years ago? Oh, good grief. Calm. Can you imagine? Listen, right now we're laughing, but how many of you have had a hard time sleeping? How many of you parents, when the kids are real little, you're actually really concerned? There are times when you just weep because you just don't know if you can do it. And we who have been there say it'll be okay, but you know what? I didn't think it'd be okay when mine were six and seven. There were times when I worried when they were teenagers. Good grief, I still worry. Calm. It's an app. Some of you right now are probably pulling out your phones and looking up Calm. You can do that. Did you know that not only was Calm the number one app of 2017, but there's actually a song uh, that you can, uh, it's called the Silent Song. It was in the top 50 purchases last year for iTunes, all right? And, and, and the silent song, it says, it's entitled A Silent Song, and the first, uh, when he says the word A, it actually has five A's. And the reason why is this, because many of the newer cars, when you just turn them on, your phone automatically connects via Bluetooth and it starts playing music the way it does that. But some people are when, at, at six or seven in the morning when they're jumping in the car and on their way to work and bam, you know, up comes this loud music. No, the first one is a a a a a a silent song and it's 10 minutes of silence. That's right. They paid for that. They paid for that. Listen, people spend a lot of money on trying to not go nuts. On trying to calm their anxiety. On trying to not scream. On wondering, even though Alex just said, it's not about me and God's taking care of everything, we still wonder if everything's still okay. We do. In the state of Massachusetts, 35% of people do not get enough sleep. That's one out of three. National average is just a little bit more than that. The average number of poor mental health days, Massachusetts has the 14th highest. Percentage of adults with heart disease, Massachusetts is 21st. Percentage of adults who are physically active, this is interesting, we're the 12th highest. We have the 12th highest with uh, uh, best, that means percentage of those who are physically active, but yet we still have the heart disease. We still don't sleep well. And that's despite the fact that we have the second highest in the country insofar as states is concerned, second highest per capita income. So even if things are okay, we still worry. We still do. Another interesting thing that I found. 
True rest seems to be elusive for most of the people in this country. True rest. Only one in seven adults set aside a day of week for rest. One in seven. And that one day a week, what do they do? Well, mostly work. One in five, 19% of this small group say they don't do any work at all. So those that do, those are uh, the one in seven who uh, do take a day off, only 20% of them actually do nothing and actually rest, recover. Even fewer of, of us in this country commit a, day, a daily time just to be with God. It's about one in six. Only 12% of Americans say they intentionally set time aside in a day when they actually do not use this. We're overwhelmed. We're overtaxed mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, financially. And we're exhausted. Now, The fourth commandment says, I'm commanding you to set some time aside. I'm commanding you to rest. I'm commanding you a time out. Because you're not as strong as you think you are. And your brains aren't as capable as you and I think they are capable to to withstand all the stuff that we place on them. And the irony is, above all the people that I'm talking about, those that especially believe in God, who is capable of even bringing people out of slavery, bringing it back to the context, sometimes we still don't give them the benefit of the doubt. We don't lay our burdens at His feet Sometimes in the stereotype, we will walk in, give God his 60 minutes, and think we've punched a card, taken care of business with him, and now it's still up to us the other six days and 23 hours. And that, frankly, is spiritually pathetic. God's got so many blessings in store for us. And there's so much that he just wants to show that he can take care of. Sometimes I think we're afraid to actually take that rest because the things that we think that do need to get done, that actually don't need to get done, still burden us just for the fact that they're not getting done. Even though they don't need to get done. What's this really all about anyway? Well, as I kind of already have touched on, firstly, I need you to understand that the fourth commandment really is not, really not just about worship. It's not about that. Nowhere in the beginning did God say, I want you to set a whole day aside for church. All right? Didn't say that at all. <laughs> I think I've shared this. It just, it just reminded me of it. I remember Connor was six. And um, 
he was, he was the most verbally proactive one once he figured out how to talk. And especially in the younger years. And so um, we would ha- when I would go talk to him at, at bedtime, he would always ask questions. Because he, he, he didn't care what the answers were. He just didn't want to go to bed. So he would ask questions, and I'd tell stories. And usually I'd tell a story or, or answer his question. One of the times he asked was, what's heaven really like? You know, yeah, that's a 30-second answer. And I, you know, we started talking about different things. And then he asked me this, is heaven like church? I said, no. And he goes, because church is so boring, Dad. It's like, oh, that's great, son. I appreciate that. It's not. The time here is to reflect and be reminded of just how powerful is just what God has done. It's what we do for him. I can't believe I didn't turn that on. It's what we do for him and how we give honor and glory back to him. And we encourage each other to to remember just what God has done, is doing, and is going to do in our lives. Did you pick up on what he said in the beginning there? For in six days, God created the earth and everything in it. He made everything new. And then he rested. And in our minds and in our lives, if we've come to Christ, we have been remade. Everything in our lives is new. We keep dwelling on what was, and God wants us to dwell on what will be. God, I know you made me new, but remember what I did 20 years ago? God, I know you, you, you've recreated me in, in, in the image of Jesus and, and you see him uh, now and you don't see me, but I still sometimes see me. And you know what God says? Stop looking. Stop it. Because if we're coming here to just walk over old ground, I mean... Why in the world? Why do that? It wasn't too long after that. In the Old Testament, there really wasn't a specific time set. There were some days insofar as a calendar year was concerned, but a weekly schedule there wasn't. Remember, they, they were a slave people. They worked every day. Whenever, however, the, the master wanted them to work. Now, there were times when there were offerings that were given, but there weren't specific days when that was supposed to happen. But after a while, it just became routine. What are you doing today? Got to run by the grocery store. Got to fix the car. Got to drop off the sacrifice at the temple. You know. Isaiah chapter 29 says this. These people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely, uh, is based on merely human rules they've been taught. God knows what our hearts are like when we come to him. 
so just picking a day out of the week, whether it's a part of our tradition or not, or the, the place that we go to is familiar or not, and walking in and having uh, a welcome, uh, a song, uh, a welcome on a video, uh, two more songs, offering time, one more song, communion time, and then I stand up and we go through the routine and we'll kind of do a cookie cutter next week. That's not what it's about. We do those things to evoke and create a moment where we remind you exactly what God has done. That He's made, for those who call Jesus Lord, He's made you new. And because of that, you have hope. And in that hope, you have joy. And through that joy, people will see you and you can bring them to the same Lord that you know. That's what it's really about. not about a whole bunch of rules that you and I might agree on. It's about the God who made everything that we know and remade us so that we can spend eternity with Him. Okay, so it's not really about worship. It's also not really about work. It's really not. I, um, it wasn't too long ago. When I was a little boy, I can remember... Uh, my mom panicking on Saturday afternoon because she forgot to get bread. And I had to get on my bike and run down to the convenience store and get a loaf of bread or sometimes a, uh, a can of cream of mushroom soup or um, uh, a, can of ma- uh, a jar of mayonnaise or whatever that she had forgotten to grab because everything would be closed on Sunday. And... Uh, my dad would have to run out, make sure on Saturday that the car had gas because everything would be closed on Sunday too. Now, what I am not saying is that it's such a shame that everything's open now. What I am saying is that if we want to work, we'll do it. If we want to sell things, we'll do it. The issue is, going back to the first commandment, if God's number one, the second commandment, we're going to live lives that honor Him. And that means we, we, we really need to do the best work that we can uh, for the six days that God gives us, so to speak. And then that day, we sit down, you know what we do? We say, God, look at what you've given me the ability to do. Look at the resources that you've given me to do it. Look at everything that you've blessed me with. You're so good to me, I'm going to talk about you today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rest thinking about you. you. You even give me a nap. And Sunday afternoon naps are the best. They just are. It's not about worship or work. Solomon was kind of a wise guy. He said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 of this, All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. I've been there. I've been there when the sun goes down and the kids are all quiet and you're laying in bed and your eyes just pop open and you can't sleep and you just start thinking. Is everything going to be okay? I got to fix that. I, 
I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough money to fix this and then take care of that bill. I wonder if my kids are going to grow up and they're going to be okay. Are they going to go to school? Are they going to be all right? Who are they going to marry? What's that going to be like? Your mind just literally, it goes, there's no topic that's off limits. And, and, and your mind just goes and goes and goes. And I, I'll tell you what, you, it's hard to shut it all down. But you know what I have found? If I work really, really hard during the day, I'm too tired to think. It's true. I'm too tired to think about it. And sometimes when I do work really, really hard like that, I just say, okay, God, I'm too tired to think about it. It's all yours. And you know what he says? It's about time. It's about time. It's about time you trust me. After all, I made everything anyway. And I gave you the pattern of working hard for a little while and then taking some time off to rest and to just recover and to take a look around and see all that I've done, all that I uh, uh, am doing and all that I will do for you. Because that's who we are. We trust in Him. If it's not about worship and it's not about work, well, what is it about? It's about that confidence in Him. Did you guys pick up on the songs? I'm going to borrow the the thing. Did you guys pick up on what we sang this morning? Dean, I'm going to put your, your thing back. Listen, I want to remind you of what we said. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. You know, when I hear those things, I... I'm not hearing a confident person. I'm, there's a little bit of doubt in there. Do you guys hear the doubt? You don't? You mean you hear certitude there? You hear assurance? You hear declaration? Not necessarily about anything that you have done because I know you and I have tried it. If there was any other way that we could have done it, we would have done it. But we've tried it. It didn't work out. And so we finally said, okay, God, it's all up to you. And God says, finally, and now our chains are gone. Everything that we made, God unmade. And everything that God has now unmade is better and it always will be better. And so we stand and we sing. And we don't sing because we're just supposed to be here like we're, it's on the schedule and it's Sunday morning and you have to go. No, you sing because you get to be here because God's been so good to you. He continues to be good to you and you and I don't have enough verses or enough voice to say just how wonderful this all really, really is. And you and I have family and we have friends and we have parents and we have kids. Sometimes we weep because we want them to have the joy that we have. And we, we've tried and we don't know what else to say. So all we're left because we eventually put it in our strength because we thought we'd be smart enough. We thought we'd be good enough. We thought we'd be uh, brilliant enough to share this. But finally we say, God, can you please help my husband? Can you please help my son? Can you please help my mom? Can you please help my friend? Can you please help? And And that's what we're doing. That's what we are. That's what we are. Because not only are my chains gone, my friends' chains are gone. Not only are my friends' chains gone, but my kids are gone. And my grandkids 
and my friends and everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. God said, I worked really, really hard for six days. And the seventh day, I rested. And it's a pattern that I'm commanding to you because I know what? You're going to work hard. And you're going to see that by the sweat of your brow and the strength of your hands, you can make things. But if you keep on doing that, you might gain confidence in the sweat of your brow, in the, in the, in the computations of your mind, in the strength of your hands. And you might think that you actually have the ability to make all of this work. But when things come crashing down, you're going to call out to me and you're going to cry out to me and you're going to learn the lesson again that you forgot because you weren't observing, keeping, remembering the Sabbath rest that I gave you. And as if it wasn't enough in Exodus or Deuteronomy, Jesus says this. Excuse me, in Proverbs 19 says this. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content. Untouched by trouble. That is a great verse to read before a nap. It really, really is. Every week, we stand up and say that our primary purpose here is to help people find and follow Jesus. This is why. Because people are overwhelmed. They're too taxed and they're exhausted. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who are weary and and burdened, and I will give you one hour a week to take a break. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you a simple way to save a little more money on your taxes. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He continues on. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of you, I'm going to pick on you now a little bit. I was picking on Aaron a little earlier today when I was teasing her about her boys being away from her and all the wounds that they already had and the 17 times they tried to call home but they couldn't and right now they're just screaming out for their mom and she's not paying any attention my daughter's been gone across the world on a small island in the nation of Indonesia for eight and a half weeks. I didn't want her to go because I had in my mind that it's not safe there. But I forgot that God's got her. And to all you moms whose kids are at Ganderbrook, God's got them. And just as a little bit of a reminder, he had them before they left. Because either this world belongs to God or it doesn't. If this world does not belong to God, then you guys aren't going to sleep at all tonight. 
you're going to worry about every last thing that you cannot control and wonder what you're going to do about it. And you're going to call your doctor and ask him if he can double the prescription. But God's got this world. He always had. He made it and he made you. And he knows you better than you know you. He knows your kids better than they know them. If that grammar works. He knows everything about us. He understands what we've been through, what we're going through, and what we're going to go through. And he's prepared us for all of this. He's, he's, he's ready to help us to take care of our aging parents. He's ready to help us to take care of our kids who are getting ready to leave the nest. He's ready to, uh, for, for kids that are just came and kids that are coming. All of this. And so we don't uh, worry when we walk in here. We come in here and we're reminded that God's got this. And we've worked hard and we've used the talents and the abilities and the resources that he's given us. But we're coming here today, not because we're worried about things, because we want to give God the credit because he's taking care of all those things. And having done so, we sing. And we celebrate. And we give. And we laugh. And sometimes we even cry. Why? Because we're worried and and ashamedly so because he had it taken care of all the time. All you who know Jesus, you worry in vain. You worry in vain. Go home this afternoon and rest. Because your chains are gone. You've been set free. Your God Your Savior has ransomed every part of who you are. And the best part is that it's not based upon whether you and I can sleep well. It's based upon the power of God who gives us the ability to rest in Him. God, thanks so much. Thank you for reminding us of the blessing of rest. Thank you for requiring it of us to take time to think and look around and see all that you've done, the way that you've taken care of us and the way that you've blessed us and the way that you've given strength to our families and reminded us of what you did in the generation before and what you're going to do in the generation after. And God, as we remind ourselves of all that you've done, Lord, we just, we sit back and, and, and we rest in awe, in gratitude, and in, and in, in just joy of what you do. God, thank you for blessing us and taking care of us. Thank you for knowing us better because we would worry and we would work harder to try and reinforce things. And we don't have to because you are taking care of all of it. Lord, we love you. Thank you for rest. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.